from LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm your host, Ryan Dietrich. It's going to get interesting over the next couple of weeks as we get the earnings figures um, and if we and we get some expectations around what inflation could set up and look like over the over the coming months. So um, it, it's turned out to be much more of an exciting year in 2022 than it was in 2021 when everything was going up in a straight line. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of the LPL Market Signals podcast. Jeff Bookbinder here, your host for today with my good friend and colleague, Mark Zabicki, standing in for Ryan Dietrich. Mark, how are you today? Doing well, Jeff. Great to be with you. Well, well good. So, Mark, um, this might be surprising for you to hear, but I'm glad Ryan's not with us because, to be honest, I'm mad. I'm mad at Ryan. Because <laughs> last week after the podcast, he said, oh, no, I forgot to brush my hair. Oh, Right. I, and, and so, based on that, I'm mad as well. So we are both mad at Ryan for rubbing it in that he has hair and we don't. So let's uh, get right to it. Um, we'll first show you these lovely disclosures. Um, here's what we're going to talk about today. Three topics. The slowdown in economic growth, which is the topic of our weekly market commentary for this week, posted on LPL.com uh, yesterday, Monday. We're recording this Tuesday morning. Topic number two, uh, inflation. We know surprise that we are talking about that today because it is CPI day. Of course, the question everybody's asking is, is this the peak? Uh, based on the market rally after the hot inflation number, maybe some folks are voting with their dollars and saying a peak is in. Uh, so we'll weigh in on that. And then lastly, it's earnings season uh, this week, the sort of unofficial start of it. Um, so we'll do a little bit of a preview there. So um, let's just start with the broad market here, Mark. Um, you know, we got, um, it's been a very bumpy, certainly, um, market here lately. You know, we rallied, um, you know, about nine, 10% off the lows, and now we're kind of rolling over. Um, my question to you is, do you think based on this setup, um, are we going to go back and retest those lows from a few weeks back, or do you think we can hold on to, uh, you know, most of that that bounce we got in March? You know, uh, Jeff, excellent question. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we do, in fact, you know, retest those those lows. I mean, I, I think we started kind of talking about this year of uh, a, really a year where directional change may be the kind of the operative phrase. And, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about the GDP expectations here at LPL Research and the directional change there. And then the directional change in the Federal Reserve tightening policy, perhaps a little bit more robustly in the, in the coming months. Um, so, you know, with that comes uncertainty, right? And, and that uncertainty has led to, you know, a more volatile market to start the year. And, and, um, and the, and the Russia Ukraine issue has just kind of raised, uh, raised that bar in terms of volatility. So, um, yeah, I don't think we're done yet with the, um, the, the equity market weakness or so retest of the lows would not be surprising. Yeah. I I tend to agree, Mark. The house view here at LPL Research is, um, you know, still overweight equities, but very modestly, uh, and, and certainly reflecting some caution here about the uh, the near term outlook. And you know, although we're getting a nice bounce today, uh, certainly I think you know our technical folks, uh, you know Ryan and, and Scott Brown, would tell you that 
this is a sloppy chart and it tells you that maybe we need to be, uh, you know, temper our optimism about the very near term. Um, certainly one of the reasons people have been cautious about the market is because of the yield curve inversion. We think the three month 10 year treasury curve is more important as a recession signal than the two year tenure. But this is what everybody's talking about. So just wanna reiterate this point that we've made uh, in, in recent uh, publications and on the podcast last week that just because you get a twos, tens inversion doesn't mean recession's happening soon. So you can see here uh, on the screen, you know, on average you get about a year and a half, sometimes as long as two years or more um, lag between the inversion and the actual recession. So we think that's gonna play out again and there's gonna be a good bit of time between this inversion we just got uh, and recession. And then during this time, you, you, you typically get a um, you know really nice rally in stocks while you're sort of waiting for that bull market peak and then subsequent um, recession. So you see here on average, almost a 30% gain uh, on average over these last four uh, yield curve inversions over that roughly on average uh, year and a half period. So Mark, you think that's gonna play out again where we've got more gains to come and still time before we get the next recession? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I, you know, although we've we've started out a little rocky in the year, as we mentioned, um, you know, I, I don't think we're done for for the equity upside for for the year. Uh, you know, consequently, we are slightly overweight equities. We did you know reduce that equity weighting just a, you know a short time ago, uh, and then and then you know then we've got this subsequent weakness here that we're talking about, and perhaps a retest at the lows. But I, I don't think that we're done. Um, you know, economically, I think we, we could have a little bit of a rebound in the second half. We'll probably get into that this morning. And, you know, and looking at the leading economic index uh, overall uh, doesn't really signal uh, any type of a recession concern or any, any reason to kind of run for the hills in terms of your equity market exposure. Yeah, certainly the credit markets are telling us that the economy is still in decent shape. Um, normally, uh, if recession fears were warranted, you would start to see credit spreads widen out more than they have. Uh, so that's certainly something we continue to watch uh, closely. And I'll also real quickly want to remind folks that April's a really good seasonal month. This from Ryan, 15 out of 16 Aprils have been higher, which is really amazing, uh, frankly. We're, we're down about 1% April to date if you factor in uh, Tuesday's gains in, in S&P futures. So got a good chance of having a higher April again. Certainly we know the challenges and we're gonna talk about a few of them here in just a moment, but um, looks more likely than not based on history here that we'll end up uh, in the green uh, for the month. So um, let's uh, let's turn to the weekly market commentary, Mark. The, um, you know, the, the headline is headwinds to global growth. And, and we all know that. Um, so, you know, our economist Jeff Roach has um, taken down forecasts for US GDP twice now. We started the year north of four, now we're closer to three. Uh, and then with that uh, certainly comes lower growth expectations in Europe, in China, uh, well, frankly, and Japan. Really, um, everybody's fighting inflation, right? And everybody's 
um, you know, feeling the pain of the Russia-Ukraine conflict, although to varying degrees. Um, and, um, you know, frankly, I mean, we're not the only uh, economy seeing higher wages and companies seeing uh, margin pressures uh, from that environment. So, you know, I, I guess the question is, um, and this is what Jeff wrote in the, in the weekly, could we see a second half rebound or should investors just expect this lackluster start to the year uh, to mean that we're going to be kind of, I don't know, flattish and skirting on the edge of recession, you know, for the next eight months? Uh, I mean, well, I th what uh, what Jeff Roach and Lawrence Gillum wrote in, the, in our latest weekly market commentary, you know, Jeff was indicating that um, you know perhaps second year, second half of the year, you get that that transfer or that baton pass, if you will, between you know kind of the um, you know consumer spending from a um, kind of a product perspective and then more of a services perspective actually as you know it kind of stands to reason as as people kind of get out and enjoy their uh, summer vacations perhaps um, do a little bit more spending on the services side of the economy that's what Jeff expects to really carry the load um, in the in the second half of the year I, I think there'll probably be some um, some improvement from a geopolitical perspective in terms of the way people think about it. Perhaps I don't, I don't know that um, I don't know that sanctions are going to be reduced anytime uh, in it real soon. But um, the the hit to the economy based on the Russia Ukraine conflict is certainly going to be felt more strongly in the first half of the year, and maybe we can improve off of that hit uh, in in the second half of the year. Um, but the numbers indicate, you know, in terms of our recent, you know, uh, forecast, 2.7% in the U.S. to 3.2%, that is certainly not um, a, a, a robust economy, effectively, certainly higher than our normal growth pattern in the U.S., uh, which the CBO will tell you it's around 1.5% in a, kind of a normalized growth environment. So, so higher than that, but not necessarily robust. And um, again, back to that directional change issue where, you know, you're, you're getting uh, a degradation in the trend of a GDP growth in the country and then also in the, in, in the world. And, and that's, that's had some effect clearly on the way people think about capital market exposure. Yeah, there's, there's no doubt that um, this economy is slowing, not just the U.S., but also globally. Um, but a number of these factors, I won't say the bad word transitory. <laughs> we know the Fed doesn't like that, got in trouble. Uh, but there's certainly uh, a strong likelihood that these supply chain pressures ease in the second half of the year. Hopefully China gets the COVID situation under control over there and they can start to more fully reopen. We know that the US is pretty fully reopened uh, and we're starting to get more labor force participation. Um, and we certainly hope and pray that we can get a ceasefire in Ukraine and that can help ease the pressure on commodity prices. So these things are really, I mean, it's a perfect storm right now, uh, no doubt. And that's why we just got, you know, an eight and a half percent CPI print, but there's no doubt that the prospects for um, those factors to revert are, are pretty likely. I mean, we don't know the timing and, you know, who knows uh, exactly how long that takes, but we could be set up for a really nice rebound. And then if you get business confidence back, right, and which Jeff points out in the, in the commentary, we could actually see business investment contribute to that second half 
rebound in addition to hopefully uh, consumers um, spending a little bit more uh, as inflation eases. Yeah, I mean, you know, we got the the NFIB Small Business Optimism Index, and it's it's lower than expectations this morning, but um, it is it is at a high level. I mean, if you look across the 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 construct of ISM manufacturing and services, again, you, those numbers are uh, weaker than they have been, but still at a, a fairly you know robust level. And again, the leading economic indicators are not showing any kind of real signs of, of concern. Um, you know, non-farm, you know, uh, payrolls relatively strong, uh, jobless claims at, at low levels, um, average hourly earnings still relatively robust, although again, down from peak levels in the post COVID era. Um, so uh, not a whole lot to point to that's, that's drastically negative from an economic perspective you know, over and above what most people have been talking about over the last couple of weeks, which is, is, is credit spreads, you know, is a, is a leading indicator that's, that's uh, providing some level of caution. Yeah. And last point on um, the services spending piece, uh, Jeff points out that we actually have $500 billion of upside potential in spending on services. If we return to the prior trend. That is a big number. In fact, I think it's almost 3% of GDP, which is, I mean, we're not necessarily going to get that this year, but uh, point is there's a lot of runway on services spending in the U.S. Um, to potentially get us to that 3% GDP number, which, you know, as Mark indicated, is a, is a pretty good growth rate uh, in this economy. Um, we also make the point in the weekly commentary that consumer confidence has declined sharply, but that doesn't necessarily mean we're going to have a recession. Um, for those watching on, on YouTube, you see the, um, the uh, orange boxes reflect mid-cycle slowdowns where we saw big drops in consumer confidence, but we did not get a recession for uh, several more years, the mid-80s and the mid-90s. Uh, are those periods. So the question now, Mark, is are we going to get a repeat of that? Is this big drop in consumer confidence? And we all know it's about high inflation and to an extent, um, you know, the geopolitical concerns and COVID. Um, are we going to get a re repeat and, and, and could we see a big bounce in confidence over the next several years and, and uh, stave off recession? Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do clearly with the geopolitical condition, you know, perhaps in the second half of the year, again, if we get back into more of a, of a services spending mode in the second half, you know, people taking vacations effectively, um, you know, I, I think, I think consumer confidence can stabilize. I mean, we, we, are at relatively high levels in consumer confidence as, as, as the chart shows. So uh, there's no severe concern. Um, I, as a matter of fact, I think we could probably expect consumer confidence to tail off based on the, you know, the peak that we went through post COVID. Um, so so the, the fact that we're getting some deceleration in consumer confidence, probably not, um, not a surprise. And, you know, I, I think there's a high correlation between, you know, you know, the jobs market and consumer confidence. So while we're getting this volatility near term, uh, you know, the jobs market shows, you know, no reason for consumers themselves to be, uh, you know, that concerned. Yeah, th this is actually, a, you know, 
a pretty resilient picture of consumer confidence given the environment we're in because you know nothing affects people more across this country than than inflation if you want to pick sort of one economic environment um you know inflation and unemployment maybe would be would be the two that affect most everybody uh when they go bad so this is actually a pretty confident consumer still actually if you if you survey investors i saw the bank of america global fund manager survey economic pessimism is in line with 2008 levels okay so there is a lot of pessimism my contrarian alarm bells go off i know Ryan Dietrich has a contrarian alarm bell uh, and uh, tells me that maybe the pessimism has gone a, a bit too far uh, about the economy, at least among investors surveyed, mutual fund managers uh, in, that, in that survey. Certainly, I agree with you, Mark, consumer confidence probably comes down, but we have the makings uh, of a second half recovery with um, inflation easing, no doubt, because that's clearly the biggest factor right now for consumers uh, who are expressing some uh, some discontent, I guess, with the economic environment. So um, let's uh, good discussion, Mark. Let's let's transition into inflation. We just got CPI this morning. Um, you, you really, uh, I always say this: you really got to peel back the onion because if you just see that eight point five percent number, um, you know clearly that's you know that's an increase month over month. That is a really really high number. Um, this chart reflects uh, the February number. So we've just gone up another half point roughly. Uh, we haven't seen anything even close to this since the 80s. Um, we all get that. Uh, but the market's rallying on this, right? So Mark, what's the market seeing uh, here? I guess maybe sniffing out a peak that it's getting excited about today. Yeah, I mean, if so, the year over year all in numbers, you know, uh, up 8.5% from March. X food and en energy is up 6.5%, which is actually a tick lighter than than the survey. The Bloom uh, the Bloomberg consensus survey was 6.6% for CPI X food and energy. So perhaps there's something to 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 uh, get get excited about there. I I, I do think, and, and Jeff writes about this in in the weekly market commentary that that inflation is is likely. We believe. Uh, to peak here sometime soon in the coming months. Could it be April? Could it be May? Um, that 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 remains to be seen. Uh, it, you know, in the inflation issue is is very interesting. You know, to me as it is to to most people. And, and it, you know, I think the expectation around inflation is when you get a, a economy that was basically shut down um, and then turned back on it, it, like that, and then like that you've there's really no surprise that you're getting inflation and then you know then couple those issues with you know supply chain issues that, that still are with us today couple those issues with you know stimulus spending which is perhaps a, a, a little above board in terms of, i think that the way i think about it so um yeah i mean the, the fact that we're getting inflation is really no surprise given the circumstance that we've witnessed with this economy historic circumstances um you know i i believe longer term that there still is disinflationary pressures uh in this economy that that is actually going to allow inflation to roll over um we could perhaps you know transitory is now a bad word but you know i mean it, it's it's transitory for longer than we actually thought it was going to be transitory for but 
Um, yeah, I, I don't I don't know that we're going to be, you know, with CPI readings for the over the intermediate term with six, six and a half percent. I do, in fact, think we are going to roll over. And I think that is actually going to be a catalyst um, for the for the equity market in the second half, as, as well as some earnings that we'll talk about, Jeff. But um, th those are two things I think we can point to that that, that lead us to believe that equities um, still have room to run. Yeah, at least for the, I agree 100%, at least for the CPI, the shelter component's really important. Um, that was a big driver of the increase in March. Um, so keep that in mind, you know, certainly gasoline prices and food prices, uh, as we know, those are um, up a ton and have certainly high potential to uh, level off and even start to decline. And then um, keep an eye on used car prices. They're up 35% year over year. That, that's just not normal, <laughs> not sustained, uh, will not be sustainable. Uh, so, um, you know, some reversion on that uh, as we get more semiconductor supply, more car supply, uh, that will certainly, uh, we think, come down. Uh, and then last point on this, um, which is a really important one, uh, we have had inflation fall during periods without recession. Uh, and so certainly, um, 2014 is a good example of that, right? 2014 inflation came down. You can actually see that on this chart. Um, and, um, you know, we didn't go into recession, certainly, uh, you know, didn't for a while. And it was clearly COVID driven. So, um, you know, hopefully we're going to repeat of that. Again, falling confidence and falling inflation don't necessarily mean recession. So let's go. You, you mentioned it, Mark, the, um, you know, earnings. This, um, you know, this is the week where we get some of the big banks later in the week, a small smattering of companies in other industries, you know, a little bit of airline um, reports, which will be interesting. Certainly, they're having a very tough time, as we're all aware, um, but really, it's about the banks. So, um, you know, high level, um, we think we're going to get a good earnings season, but you're going to see some drag from the earn from the financial sector. Um, consensus right now is about 5% year over year in Q1, which is a huge slowdown from the massive earnings growth numbers we saw last year. Of course, that was coming off of lockdowns. And if the economy shuts down, growing earnings sharply off of those very depressed levels is, is certainly very easy. Uh, so now we're kind of in a more normal environment. If you get the average upside that we've seen over the last couple of decades, then we're looking at maybe 9% earnings growth, which would be pretty good uh, given the challenging environment. Uh, so Mark, do you think, do you think we can hit that? Or do you see something that, that worries you and suggests maybe, um, you know, we won't get any upside at all? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, I think the, the inflation issue worries me and how, and how corporations deal um, with, with that. And, you know, of course, you know, margins are still relatively robust. Uh, I mean, and, and Jeff, you and I, and, and a group of us here at LPL Research, we're talking about the, the earnings outlook in our strategic and tactical asset allocation committee. And I think we were uh, surprised at the at the strength in, in in earnings, or at least the setup in Q1 earnings, you know, as we as we get started here. Um, so so I you know I've been you know a, a little bit surprised for the last you know six quarters, if you will, and in, in what you know U.S. corporations have been able to 
to turn in uh, in terms of uh, earnings growth. Um, you would think that they kind of run out of steam, but I mean, a five five year, or I'm sorry, a five percent earnings growth number in Q1, uh, while certainly doesn't match the Q1 of last year, it's still a pretty strong number. Margins are relatively strong. Again, I think this is one of the things that we can point to as a catalyst for us to be still overweight equities, cautiously uh, uh, overweight equities, but but still overweight. I mean, as long as these companies are reporting good earnings, margins are relatively strong. Um, you know, it's 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 an environment where stocks can continue to do well. Yeah, and despite stocks being down year to date, they've done better than bonds. So um, that overweight equities has surprisingly still worked, even with stocks down a few percent uh, year to date. Um, so, yeah, I think I, you know, I am surprised, frankly, that earnings have held up as well as they have. Not only have we seen massive upside that really few, if anyone, expected in recent quarters. But the estimates for 2022 have actually risen this year. They're up about 2%. Um, and frankly, make our $220 estimate for S&P 500 earnings this year look conservative. Consensus is 228 uh, right now. So um, we'll probably have to raise that forecast. That uptick in estimates suggests confidence with not just Q1, but for the year. Um, we've seen Q1 estimates dip just a smidge uh, leaning into the quarter. That's historically what happens. It hasn't fallen as much as it historically has leading into the quarter, but that suggests maybe, you know, we'll get average upside, possibly not more than that. Uh, so that's what puts you in that kind of eight, nine percent range for a reasonable expectation. We think that keep in mind, that's the long-term average. If you go back, you know, as long as earnings for, for the S&P 500 have existed, the average growth rate's about eight, nine percent. To do that in this environment where people can't find labor, labor is extremely expensive. There are shortages of materials. The supply chains globally are snarled. We have um, a devastating war in Ukraine. Uh, China's in lockdown. I mean, you go on and on and on. These are just um, really stiff headwinds, real big challenges for corporate America. And yet, there's a very good chance we'll get average earnings growth which would be a victory in, in, in my book. So um, we think we'll get a good, you know, pretty good earnings season, uh, but there are headwinds. And then, by the way, another headwind, you know, financials are one of the biggest earners in the S&P 500. They had huge reserve releases for the banks um, a year ago. Again, coming out of lockdown, they massively reserved for potential losses. Uh, those losses didn't come because of, partly because of the stimulus and the vaccines. Uh, and then we ended up with, you know, these massive gains in profits for the banks. Fast forward a year, growing off of those quarters is going to be very, very difficult. So financials earnings are expected to be down double digits. And yet we still could see high single digit overall S&P 500 earnings growth, despite that headwind. Now, one of the reasons we're not going to see an earnings decline overall uh, despite that financials weakness is because of energy. So Mark, you know, we're going to get, I don't know, quintupling, <laughs> tripling, something massive in earnings for the uh, the energy sector. Um, that actually could be worth five points by itself. So how should investors think about that? Uh, do they discount the earnings growth and say it's not real? 
because energy doesn't count. Um, how should people think about that? Well, that's a good question, Joe. I think it clearly counts, but uh, I think you, you just have to be a little bit careful of hanging your hat you know, solely on the earnings picture relative to what we're seeing out of energy because we know the commodity markets uh, can turn rather drastically and, and all it would take perhaps um, is is some semblance of a, a geopolitical cleanup in Russia and Ukraine. Not that we're gonna, we're, we're forecasting, we're gonna get that anytime real soon. But um, yeah, I mean, when you're, when you're dealing with um, energy and other materials that are um, portions of, of the S&P 500, for example, that are, that are you know, beholden to commodity prices and the, and the movement therein, there, there is a little bit of a pause that you have to uh, take into account in terms of the longevity of that commodity price trend. I mean, it, you, you, commodity prices could be coming off a, a long-term floor, uh, a multi-year floor here, and strengthening to a to a, a long-term positive trend. I think the jury's still out on that, but um, and and China has a lot to do with that. But you know, it, it's it's um, the earnings are good. Period. Um, the uh, earnings from energy is a little bit, you know, cautious. You know, I don't know that I would want to rely on just energy earnings on a go forward basis and in terms of how we feel about the equity market in general. But um, I think we'll we'll take it while we can get it there, Jeff. Mm. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, if people want to do X energy earnings, uh, you know, and you end up with something pr pretty low, fine, then take out financials too, because <laughs> there's some unique characteristics to the financials year over year comparison as well. Actually, the, the SPAC uh, boom from last year too is a a difficult comparison, all the underwriting fees from, from that um, special purpose acquisition companies. So that's, um, you know, that's kind of a high level on earnings. We'll talk more about that next week, but let's get into the, um, the economic calendar a little bit. Uh, the inflation number we just got this morning is the highlight of the week. Tomorrow we'll get producer prices and that's it. Uh, that story will be similar that maybe this is a peak um, what about retail sales, Mark? I mean, it seems to me with, you know, we've taken expectations for growth down. Consumer is struggling with high inflation right now. We just we certainly see that when you look at consumer confidence. Should we expect a weak retail sales number? Well, I, I think that's going to be closely watched. And, and I think if you get you know, a weaker than expected retail sales number, so, so probably for the rest of the week, retail sales is probably going to be the most important on, on Thursday. And then, you know, industrial and manufacturing, manufacturing production would be my guess on, on, on Friday. But if, if you get a, a weak retail sales number, then people are going to um, kind of parlay that into, you know, the inflation pressures that consumers are seeing. Um, and, you know, just the general pause as, as is associated with kind of the geopolitical tensions we're facing. So um, that, that could be a, a, a weak number, could be a little, little bit of problem for uh, the equity market uh, in, in, the, in the near term. But um, again, based on uh, some of the comments from Jeff Roach, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know that the retail sales is going to roll over and die for the rest of uh, 2022. So it may just be short-lived perhaps based on inflation and geopolitical tensions. Yeah, remember the retail sales numbers are not inflation adjusted, so they get a boost from higher inflation. They get a boost from higher prices, uh, but the inflation piece will essentially erode it 
and end up with probably not much growth or maybe even a little bit of a uh, month over month contraction after you um, adjust that. So thanks thanks for those comments, Mark. Um, let's go ahead and wrap here. We're at time. Um, so thanks everybody for listening. Um, you know, as always, Ryan will be back next week. I'll actually be out next week. So um, Mark, maybe you'll uh, you get to do it again and, and, and yell at Ryan for that insulting comment about his hair. Um, certainly more talk on earnings season, which is gonna be the topic of next week's um, weekly market uh, commentary. So Mark, any closing remarks before we wrap? Well, we'll we'll um, we'll we'll go easy on the uh, the references to the hair, perhaps uh, next week. So hopefully, Ryan will be back, and you know whether I'm in in this chair or not will remains to be seen. But um, yeah, it, it's going to get interesting over the next couple of weeks as we get the earnings figures, um, and if we and we get some expectations around what inflation could set up and look like over the over the coming months. So. Um, yeah, um, it, it's turned out to be much more of an exciting year in 2022 than it was in 2021 when everything was going up in a straight line. Yes, interesting, no doubt. Uh, so thanks again, everybody, for listening. As always, to our latest Market Signals podcast, we'll be back with you uh, next week and uh, looking forward to talking to you then. Take care, everybody. This material was provided by LPL Financial is for general information only and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and it's no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker-dealer. Member FINRA and SIPC. Insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliate. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities and insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency. Not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposits or obligations, and may lose value.